I think what's happening to your toilet is a manifestation of what's happening in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. Because what he's thinking is, is if there is actually a spiritual life force that's bigger than all of this, then of course, everything that happens in the world that we see manifest is somehow tied to it. Let's do the intro, Dan. You want to? Here we go. Hello and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's this podcast that aimed at folks say like maybe you who feel a certain sense of dislocation in January 6th and the election didn't fix it. It's kind of deep in you. This pod, why are we talking about rabbits? It talks about things that are really heavy, but we try to do it lightly. We use deeply immersive foreign experiences and wild cultures to understand ourselves, where we're going, and how we got to this point. This is Watar. This is episode 40. This is about masks and the concept of liminality. Welcome to Watar. Hi, Daniel. What's up, John? Um, we're rocking out another episode. We missed last week because one of the producers had a baby. I heard. Andrew, your pal. And I thought I also had a little bit of something to do with you in Guatemala. Uh, yeah, and I was traveling. I'm going to start with that this week on our latest episode of Watar. But, you know, we use Seraphim, the little boy that was born out of Victoria's womb as a, as a, um, a crutch, as, a, uh, as an excuse to not get our podcast done last week. That's what we did. Is that bad? Should I admit that? Your silence is, your silence is convicting me. Because right now, if anybody's listening to the show, they're like, don't they have like three producers? Yes, we do. But I had just gotten back from Guatemala. That's where I want to start. So today we're going to talk about masks. And I, if you've been listening to the pod, we haven't really talked about masks. It, it seems like an obvious thing. That, like, what does the old world think about masks? Today we do it. It's so political here, but gosh, it was so evident, Daniel, when I was in Guatemala, because I had a moment where I was staying with a family in Chichicastenango, which is a very Mayan town. And in that very Mayan town, uh, we were invited to this family's house and all over the house were these Mayan masks. And I had brought a gift to give to this family, uh, not knowing their love of masks. And guess what my gift was? It was a Mende fertility mask. And you know the Mende, didn't you? You lived for two years in Sierra Leone. Yeah, I tried learning Mende. So what happened was, is I'm giving them this African mask and they're surrounded by these Mayan masks. And then there was this moment where like, what do you know about masks? And we had a cool conversation. And I thought when I get back, I got to do a podcast on masks. It seems stupid not to. I was trying to avoid it. Politics, you know? You're not talking like a COVID mask. You're talking like a traditional. Aha. Mask. What are we talking about? Rabbits? See what Hopefully I did not. What so, is, what's the traditional Mayan mask look like? Well, there's, there's hundreds of them, and that's what I want to get into. So basically, I want to do it like this. Let's talk about 
Mayan masks, then Mende masks, and then loop it into the American face mask or the medical mask. One, two. And, and let's start because this really is a podcast about something called the liminal space, liminality. So what is liminality? It's a state of transition between one stage and the next. So it's, it can be seen as especially a type of transition between major stages in one's life. And what I found in doing the research and talking to these Guatemalans and previously to Mende folks is that masks are the liminal space. They happen to reside on your face, but it goes way deeper than that. So liminality has become sort of an anthropological term. You'll hear, you're, you'll hear people in anthropology use this term a lot, you, but you'll also hear it with philosophers. You can see it with Jonathan Pajot's work a lot. He's talking about this liminal space. And so we'll borrow from all that. But what I really want to do is just figure out if we can learn anything about our mask wearing in COVID by looking at Mayan and Mende masks. Cool? Let's do it. So, so what do the Mayan masks tell us first? So from a great book that helped me a lot, uh, written by Peter and Roberta Markman, this is in the 90s. They're pre-Columbian researchers, people researching pre-Columbian culture. They're really, they're really interesting. And they were personal friends of Joseph Campbell, the symbology guy. Go look him up. We'll put him in the pod notes. Um, what, what, what is a mask? And, and basically what they're going to argue and lots of other people argue is the mask is what the earth is. So what? Okay. Yeah. So the earth is a type of covering or a skin, or a veil between the inner force. This is the Mayan understanding now, as per this guy, uh, Peter and Roberta Markman, but also the Mayans themselves. Basically, like the earth is a covering, or the skin is a covering of your body, or a veil is a type of covering. A mask in Mayan tradition is a covering that separates the inner force and the heart the essential force from the outer force and the outer force are the things that can be seen. The inner force are the things that can't be seen. So to put it simply for Mayan people, the mask, right, is a type of clue or a liminal space where you can see something of God, but not because that's necessarily of God as much as it's a clue to God. So, so think of it as like a river is a covering for an eternal spiritual reality. A mountain is a type of covering. You're seeing the mountain, but what you're really being led to is a spiritual force, or as the Mayans call it, is the spiritual force undergirding all of reality. Sort of like people say the eyes are the, right, the, the, the windows to your soul. You wouldn't really say I'm seeing your soul when I look at your eyes, but I am being directed to something deeper. So think about it like this. The mask is a clue to a deeper reality for the Mayans. The mask reveals rather than disguises. So we humans are meant to read what we can see as a type of code for what we can't see. So take nature. For example, through reading the symbolic features 
of the mask of nature, like I said, the mountain or the river, we should be able to perceive the relationship of those features, a city, for example, to the creative life force at the heart of the cosmos. So, like I said, a mountain should tell us something about bigness. A river running right there in front of you should tell you something about the deeper reality we might call refreshment or rebirth or renewal. So the river is a mask, but the Mayans use the mask as a marker, as a way to know the underlying reality. And this helps us to understand why there are so many masks and so many correlated gods in the Mayan tradition, because each mask, each god, little god, is a momentary manifestation of that underlying spiritual force showing itself in terms of a particular life process or a spiritual truth. And they manifest themselves as gods, right? Each one's sort of carefully identified through a characteristic, like the water mask or the mountain mask or the, or the, or the, the death mask. Each one has its own caricature, but each of it is actually leading you to the old underlying spiritual force. That's why when the Spanish showed up, Daniel, they showed up and, said these people have many gods. And you can argue, and the Mayans have for 300 years, that's not really what's happening. You're seeing the manifestation of a momentary divine thing. So rain, for example. Here's an interesting question. And I, I'm coming up with this. I don't know. It could be weird. Does rain exist when it's not raining? Do you want to take a shot at that? Does rain exist when it's not raining? So like right now, I'm looking outside. It's not raining, although it's dark. I can't see much, but it's not raining. Does rain exist? Sure. It exists as an idea. Yeah, there's some eternality, eternality to it. There's something forever about rain but yet it's not raining on you. Now you could argue in a scientific way, it's raining somewhere, but I don't really actually know that. I'm assuming that. So yeah, rain. Yeah. It, it exists as an idea, like you said, and I kind of understand that. And for the Mayan in their masky culture, rain exists eternally only in the sense, this is really cool that it is a recurring part of that, underlying spiritual intensity. It's just a sudden like manifestation of that moment of the underlying spiritual reality. So really quick, just to clarify here, Mm -hmm. you're saying like with a mask, there's a manifestation and that's what you can see. And then there's the, the spiritual reality. Right. And the spirituality of like a river or of a mountain, like you said, is, is bigness. Is that it? Yeah. Like that is, is, that's what you would say is the spirit of the mountain. Yeah. Something well, like that. That, 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 that's, that's the interpretation that I just did in each culture. The interpretation will be a little different, but yeah, what, what's happening there is the holy men and women are going to tell you what the spirit of the mountain is. And they're going to tie it into the long tradition of their religion. I don't really like that word, but they're going to tie it into the the tradition that is their human existence. 
So rain exists, but only in so much as it's a part of the cycle of life. And that life force, that life is the underlying reality of all things. So you can think of it as like, like little acne eruptions. The problem is not that one eruption on your face. The problem is, is you have an imbalance. You have something happening that's sort of deep within you. And then it pops up. Well, and the mask is that when someone trots out a mask and starts to do a dance, what they're trying to say is, is be aware, be aware. Here's the mask. Here's the thing. Here's the spirit, right? That actually exists as part of this, this master force, this underlying, what they keep calling the underlying um, spirit of, of life, that they being the Parkmans. Sorry, the Markmans. The Markmans are calling it that. They're they're translating right the Mayan and understanding of Mayan culture. So, just to finish that idea, is the Mayan mask is a type of mediating veil, and the veil, right, is the liminal space between the two worlds. So the reason the Virgin Mary is liminal is because she has flesh, but she also embodies something that's divine and exists apart from manifestation. Yeah, but she's actually, yeah, she's bearing. She, she's one with. Right. So she's a type of liminal space or she... One way to say it is, is when you see her, you're called to something bigger. You know, you know, it's be like, hey, there's a woman. She's a cool woman. Like, she was cool, dude. No, she's actually the thing, the mask that is protecting you from the, the ferocity of the divine. And you're called into the divine through her. That's pretty intense, which is kind of how the Mayans see the mask. What about the Mende? By the way, this is not to say all these things are equal and the same. That's what Joseph Campbell is going to do, right? What he's going to do, he's going to weave all these together in sort of like a, you know, like a quilt that he calls sort of religion. That's not what we're doing. We're just trying to show you how the old world works. At least that's what I'm, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to give you examples. Here's another example, the Mende. So the Mende are traditional farmers, rice farmers, Daniel, you could tell us about the Mende. Didn't you live in a Mende village? They're really good at cooking. They are, right? How are they known compared to, say, the Tui or the, the, the Temne? Or, or are they thought of as different? Uh, they, I think, would call themselves more intelligent. <laughs> and, but even like the Timni or the Limba will say the Mende are the best cooks. Like it's just, it's just a known thing. They're known. Okay. Like an ethnic group and the Italians are better known as better cooks than say the English. Yeah. Like big time. Yeah. And those are all white people and these are all black people, whatever that is. That's a whole nother podcast, which we actually <laughs> tried to do. That's number one on our list. Go back and read number one or listen to number one. So, so Daniel gave us some context for the Mende. So they have masks too. This is really interesting, I think. So here's a few insights. 
as far as the men they go. Remember, we're trying to bring the old world into your new world and then make you have to think about it and then say, wow, that's heavy. And then hopefully you also go, and that was kind of fun. And then hopefully you also support First Things Foundation. <laughs> Should we do an ad right here for First Things Foundation? First Things Foundation. I think you just did. I think I did. So let's look at it. So among the men day, as Daniel told you, known to be good cooks, a lot of rural villages in, 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 uh, uh, in, in Sierra Leone are populated with these men day folks. Um, all the women in these villages, especially in terms of tradition, it's changing now in the new world, but over thousands of years, the women become social beings. In other words, they become, they leave the, the sort of the confines of their family by being initiated into something called the Sandy or sometimes called the Bondo Society. Yeah, Bundu. That's what they You've call seen, it. Seriously. Bundu. You've seen this, yeah? Mm-hmm. So the men do something similar and they, they get initiated into something called the Poro Society. But the point is there's this initiation moment and there's lots of masks. I'm just using one example that I found most interesting. So this initiation provides the moral base for sort of an ordered adult life. It sort of transforms kids into adults. It goes from chaos of, of childhood into the order of adulthood. This is the way it's understood. So initiation into these and similar societies gives the members social identity and sort of a shared understanding of the wider world occupied by the older folks, and then ultimately occupied by the living and then the dead and the gods. And so this initiation into the Sandy or, or the Bundu society, it's a part of growing toward godhood, which is it, which happens to you in sort of in, in an ancestral way when you die. You, you're moving towards something. In some ways, it's just called growing up. So there's an art historian, Ruth Phillips, who I used it for this podcast. She writes that Mende masks and the Sunday ceremony, quote, are a means of mediating between the public domain and the private domain. There's that mediation thing again. And she says the Sunday ceremony and the mask that is worn by the spiritual guide allow young girls to be transformed and brought from one world into another. So they're translated from youth into adulthood. And so the mask, or the, what she calls the masquerade, quote, makes visible the powerful medicines or the healing powers of the hidden world without compromising the essential mystery. Wow. Again, I think about the Orthodox East, the Orthodox Christian tradition with the with the with the iconostasis, the wall that separates something really, really holy from the un, from the initiated or the uninitiated, the people staring in. So it's the same kind of thing happening with the mende. The mask is necessary here. And by the way, this was also with the bambara, Daniel. I saw this, and what you saw as in Central America, there is some kind of veil concept, some sort of mediating force some type of covering that allows for the proper seeing of a more hidden reality. So weirdly, we're used to thinking of the mask as hiding something in the West, but really in these two societies, it's meant to illuminate something. 
by demonstrating the liminal space, it's supposed to direct you toward the hidden space, right? In the places where you guys work, Guatemala, Sierra Leone, and other places, we're privileged to see that the mask is kind of not the same as we think of it in the West. And there's reasons for that, which we'll get into. But I want to give you another piece of information. What is this initiation for into the Bundu or the, the Sande? Well, it's really interesting. It's a secret society that if you were a Mende teen, Daniel, you'd think of it as sort of like a ladies club. Not really a ladies club, like the ladies club. So if you were a young teen, this is what you need to join. They called it the secret society. They did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And just think about it. Think about like when on a campus, when the uh, fraternities rush, I I remember being rushed on my campus. It was, it was like, they wouldn't tell you everything. Once you come to our meeting though, we can't wait to tell you all about what we do. There's some weird secrecy that makes it more appealing or something. And that's exactly like what these young teens so the point of your being is to get into the next society. It's for females in this example, but same for males. It's a telos. It's a purpose. It's your purpose as a young teen. And so on the week or the month, sometimes these are month-long initiation rites, you would be taken from the village. And this gets really interesting, I think. You're, you're taken from the village. And I remember seeing both young men and young women in Mali, this happened to you. And you're taken and paraded out. And the idea is you're paraded from safety of childhood into a more dangerous place, an unknown, dark, woodsy place. And like I said, I've seen this and it was scary and the girls were scared and you're taken out into the bush and out there where it's wild, you begin the initiation process. Now in, I don't, and Daniel, I'm dying to see if you saw this in the research I was doing on the Mende, I didn't see this when I was in when Sierra Leone last, but they paint them, they they anoint their bodies in this white clay. Did you ever see that? Yeah, just a little. So it's really when I when they say secret society, like they really keep it hidden away. So they yeah. go deep into the bush. Yeah. And it's like like I've gone on runs before, and it's it all happens during like December. There's a certain season. And you'll get in trouble if you're running too close to a society. They yell at you. It tells you to go back. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the white stuff, but I'm interested. Are you going to get into what's happening at these? Yeah. These these little conventions. Yeah. Well, the same thing that happened to you happened to me is I was, I was hanging out with a hunter during, this was for boys. And we got too close. He kind of wanted me. He was kind of trying to, because I was a weird visitor guy, you know, he was trying to show me off and they got mad at us because we got too close to the boys. And well, you're talking about what was happening to the boys. They're being circumcised, but so are the girls. Yeah. Now that's one of the things that's happening to them. And so that's a huge piece of the, the informational pie like what do we do with that <laughs> well and what does that have to do with liminality and the masks and this transition for these i guess teenagers well all of it is 
Right. Now, hold on. The liminality is the thing you can see, which is the white. The reason they're painted in white and the reason that there's a mask, which we'll get into, and and for all of us, for old school and new school, for old world and new world, the liminal place is the place that you can see, but which hides something else. And so the paint, I'll just continue with this idea. We'll get back to this circumcision. That's a part of the conversation too. But the, the whiteness of the mask is really interesting because it's a, it's a paste. And when you really see it, it like you said, it's, like a, it's, a, it's white face almost like an inversion of the American antebellum blackface. It's, it's really interesting and odd to see. And when you see girls masked in this white stuff, what's happening is, is they're being painted in a way that's outside the realm of creation. They're being changed and put into a state of waiting. And the mask is the in-between. The whiteness is the in-between. It's the moment when they're between what they were, childhood and adulthood. And so it, it, this is meant to tell you something because this is the point I wanted to bring up. When they come back, not only have they been circumcised, which is a part of the conversation, but the other thing that really happens is when they come back, they join the ladies club, the secret society. And the first thing that happens is, a woman, a very important woman, a royal woman, she puts on the Sandy, really the, the most important mask in this, in this tradition, this, the, the woman's ladies club mask. And this mask is richly and meant to be profoundly bronze and black. And what happens is they're returning to a most beautiful the most beautiful type of womanhood where the essence of what they've become is this really chocolate, chocolate brown mask. And the dancer wears the mask and they wear it on purpose, right? As a way to demonstrate that they're no longer wearing the white. The white is what they pass through in order to become the beautiful dark. And they, they write about it in their book about how that mask is shined and shined and shined. I don't know if you ever saw that. Did you ever see the woman? We'll have to. We'll Dude, I was just podcast. thinking, do you remember when you came to Sierra Leone first? That's the, we went through Maka with King David. We went to one. Yeah. They were dancing around and giving us coconuts. Yes. So that mask is actually worn on top of the head. And then the rest of the body of the dancer is covered in these palm leaves. And it's really weird because it's a very tall, tall kind of dancing mask creature at that point. And that mask also tells you other things. So just to clarify, after being sent out to the bush in this painted white mask, and by the way, when those young girls wear that white mask, I don't know if you remember seeing it, it really is odd. It looks odd. It makes them look very, in the same way that blackface looks very odd. They don't look themselves. And when they come back now, they're invited into this dance. Well, the mask itself that's being worn by the, by the female priestess, it's really interesting. So that mask has certain, certain parts to it. One is, is the masks have this like crystallis. Do you know what a, what a, what a butterfly looks like just before it bursts out of the, out of the, the larvae. Cool. Well, the larvae has that sort of like 
the glutinous like layers just before the butterfly comes out. Well, the mask has these like fatty layers under it. And so they're not using the exact same word, but the word is chrysalis, the thing before the butterfly, but not, right, not the worm. And that moment is meant, is represented in the mask. All the masks look fatty around the neck. So it's a very transitional thing. It's good. It's liminal. It's transitional again. It's not meant for you to stay in that state. Then the next thing about the mask is all the masks have the same. They're really interesting is, is that fattiness is also about the ability. This is really important to put on weight because you're going to need to put on weight in order to go to the next stage, which is to be a mother. It's not good for a sickly person to have a baby. You got to put on weight for the baby. So that's another sign. The other thing that happens is, is all the masks have very small mouths. Because one of the big dangers in any uh, female society in Africa, everyone saw it, is gossip. So all the masks have these really small mouths because you don't, gossip is not just bad, what it is is destructive to the unity of the, of the female society. The other thing it has is bigger ears than a mouth. You listen more than you talk. And this drives people crazy, but I'm just telling you what the tradition is. And here's the other thing is, is the, the mask is very demure, except for the hair, which is magnificent. And the hair of the mask is meant to attract, of course, the man. Yeah, man. And so you go from white face to black face, right, to a fullness of womanhood, right? You go from skinny little girl to fat baby having woman. And all this stuff represents... Transition, 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 transition. But something that came to mind, have you ever seen um, any any Miyazaki films? I feel like I've talked to you about this. Yeah, we saw some of one together once, but they they throw me for a loop. Yeah, they're super symbolic. My, kid loves, my kids love them. In fact, you should try to get this guy in the pod because he'd, he'd be interesting. But Let's do it. one of the things, I've watched several of his films and, and they're often these liminal stories of usually young girls who sort of like go from childhood to adulthood. And I've never really figured this out, but something that happens a lot is that the hair gets chopped off usually at some like transitional point. And so I'm wondering if there's something like, like your extremities or like what you're, what you're talking about when you're a child, you're fully potential. And then you're sort of like cut in the order in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that, that's also something that happens whenever someone enters into any sort of monastic community, especially in Christianity. There's a short, there's something about leaving, right? An old reality and moving into a new. And if you're a new worlder on this podcast right now listening to this, there should be a certain irritation because I think in the new world, we're seen as already having fully everything about who we are within us. Somehow, like when we begin, right? There's something already like rightfully ours. Like you are already Daniel in your like mama's womb. You already are you. But these old world cultures, you're always moving towards something else. So you're both your being and your becoming. Right. So, yeah, I feel like if you like go and to like some corporate office today, you'll just see some random mask hanging 
like it seems like masks are just cool to have if you're an American person, like some wooden carved masks. Um, <laughs> and it seems like, like you see them in Mayan culture, like these Mende cultures. Why in the new world don't we have those or do we? I don't think we do. We don't have wooden masks. We have like Halloween masks, maybe, but awesome. We have nothing that ties into how we are and what we work, what we worship. I don't think we don't use the mask. Now, here's something really interesting. We here, I think, might be Protestant culture. Uh, or scientific culture, new world culture. But I didn't get into this for the pot. I don't know if I'm prepared. I don't care. I mean, I'm not pretending to be an expert. But the old classical Christianity of the East does have a liminal space. It's the icon. The icon doesn't claim to be St. Nino, for example. The icon doesn't claim to actually be St. Macarius or St. John Chrysostom. The icon claims to be the liminal space that invites you in to the holy order. You're you're not really interacting with the icon. You're interacting with what the icon is in reality, in eternity. So it's the liminal space. It's the window. Think of a window. Like I'm looking out a window right now. Is the window inside or outside? Just look at a window and try to figure that out. You're like, oh, it's both. So I think in the Eastern Christian tradition, this was much more understood. It's really easy to understand. We have that. Like, try going to Pascha. People are going to be holding icons and parading around with them. There's almost like a mask festival. Right. But, but you're hearing mask probably as a new worlder. You're hearing mask is covering something or maybe maybe um, hiding something. So you think it's like an iconoclasm that yes. took away yes. this idea? of this liminal object. Yep. This is this. And it's not that there is no space. You can't interact. You, you can't interact with God. Now we're into the Palamas. Now, now here we're into something really interesting. Gregory of Palamas, right? He's going to get in a big fight with Barlam in the 1300s about, Hey, can you actually interact with God? Can you be, can you, can you experience God? And the West, the, the, the Roman Catholic West says, nah, no, it's some created grace thing going on. It's not really God. God has created grace, but it's not God himself. And the Orthodox East was like, no, 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 no. You're interacting with God's energies. You're participating in the, you're going through the liminal into spiritual reality. Whoa. I just don't think the West understands it that way. And your question's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it, but maybe that's why we don't have masks, except for like on Halloween when it's all a big joke. Because we don't have masks. That's really interesting. There is There are icons. They're not the same as masks. But when you're doing your research on this, you realize, whoa, the mask is a different concept in the Mayan and Mende world. You know, it's not scary hiding something like... What do we all think of? We think of that murder Halloween movie. The mask is to hide him from actually you knowing who he is so he can kill you. We've all been wearing masks. And so I have this interesting, I couldn't, we have to talk about it, right? So a mask covers your face. 
right? In 2020, the mask covers your face to stop droplets from getting into your face orifices. Am I saying that? Is that a medical? Like it's a droplet protector, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think so. In, in and out is probably what's going on. Okay. So it's, it's a droplet barrier. It's a bug barrier. Cockroaches can't fly in your mouth, but either can the COVID virus, or at least it's, it's harder. Don't the Sikhs wear something over their face so they don't breathe in bugs? It's, it's symbolic, yeah. No, it's the, it's the um, not the Sikh, it's the, uh, the Jains. The Jains, the type, yeah. type of Buddhism, yeah. But if, if I were to say this to, to you, Daniel, the mask that I wore to go to Walmart, it does one thing, it stops droplets. But that's all it does unless, <laughs> unless there's actually a deeper meaning to it all. If there's a deeper meaning to all of it, if there really is a life force, right, that undergirds the cosmos, like the Mayans think, if there really is a Holy Spirit, if there really re- is a resurrected God-man, if there really is this kind of crazy stuff happening, well, then the mask, it has to be more than a bug barrier. Because everything's more than that, right? Everything's more than that. Uh, everything's more than that. I'll give you an example. I was once in a house, and, and the, the landlord, I love this guy. He's a great guy. His name is Brian. And Brian was a total like a you, total believer in spiritual stuff. He was a Unitarian. And the toilet kept getting stopped up. And he's my landlord, but he's also my friend. And on the third time, he went, John, could I talk to you for a minute? And he came over to the house to do this. John, tell me about what's going on with your spiritual life right now. Is there something wrong? And I was like, what's going on, Brian? He's like, is there something that's blocking you? And I was like, um, and I started to think, and I was like, what is he talking about? He's my landlord. And anyway. I think what's happening to your toilet is a manifestation of what's happening in your life. (laughs) That happened. Because what he's thinking is, is if there is actually a spiritual life force that's bigger than all of this, then of course, everything that happens in the world that we see manifest is somehow tied to it. If it's not tied to it, that would be weird. So if the mask is, if there is a God, if you want to put it like that, then the mask has to be more than just a bug barrier. It has to be. Everything is something else if there is a God. Everything is something like an infused spiritual reality if there is a creator God who loves mankind and did all of these crazy things like died on a cross and all that. There is no just bed sheet. Hey, there's my bed sheet. No, there's my bed sheet and a covering that protects me. There's a million ways to understand everything. I mean, the God conversation always sounds so weird because the God concept is super weird in a scientific world. I mean, Christ lives within me. I have a soul. Right away, how many people did I just lose? How many secular scientific types did I just lose? Hold on a minute. I have to consult with my soul in order to fully understand why I should wear my mask. Really, dude? It's a bug barrier. So, If there really are layers and layers of meanings, then the mask really, really, really means something more than just a bug barrier. 
And that leads to some pretty wild stuff. So here's a question. Is the dollar that you spend on the mask actually saying something deeper about who you are and what life is? <laughs> if you're admitting to the God thing, then by definition, you're admitting to my mask means much more than simply what it appears to mean. And you're in spiritual territory. No? I think there's thinking? no question. Because you see, just think of like the person that you see on an airplane, for example, who's wearing like a bubble suit. Like one of those like face bubbles. Oh, those things are amazing. It's like a hoodie and it like zips and it's like a... It's literally like an astronaut. Like an astronaut. And they're wearing three masks under, underneath that. They're rocking a mask and an astronaut bubble. Like that, that kind of tells you something about, I don't know. Like it tells you something about them, which is naturally a spiritual thing. Like also it tells like, you probably what they value. Um, when you see someone not wearing a mask, let's say in like a high density place, it, it tells you what they value, which is always a spiritual question, right? Doesn't it, it, doesn't it invite you to the next? Well, for me, it does. So if I'm walking in, a, okay, I'll just give you the one that happens to me every time. I'm driving along, I pull up to a stop sign, I look over and there's a dude in his car with his windows rolled up with a mask on. The next, I don't think about bugs and, and viruses. I think, what is that dude all about? Like I go deep on that guy. Don't you? I think like there must be some deep fear within his soul. Something like that. Like suddenly I'm in another, like I went through the liminal. He invited me into some deeper meaning because he's wearing this mask. I just think that happens. I would argue, Daniel, I think I'm doing that for everybody all the time. It's almost like their clothes when someone wears like, I don't know, really colorful clown clothes. Aren't they inviting you? Isn't that a liminal space? Isn't In other words, are you saying it's, it's impossible to avoid like a mask? Like, like, like you can't just walk outside and be blank. The yes. hat that you put on represents something spiritual. Yes. Well, okay, check this out. Yes. Unless you literally have adopted the light people way of thinking in its essence. Then things are exactly what they are until you study them and test them. Then there is no other meaning to it. That's why people say, follow the science, follow the science. That, so this is really the last point I wanted to make, but we can talk. But this is why there's such an argument. Some people put on a mask and it's literally just a bug barrier. That's all that's happening because they just believe this is all there is. And they're, they're not doing metaphorical layers of meaning and they're not trained to see the world that way. Not because they're bad or good. They're not trained. They've trained themselves to see the world as a series of materialistic, objectivistic, you know, mathematical truths. They are what it is, what it is. It's a mask on your face. You would only wear it because of a practical reason. Other people see a mask and they start these other conversations in their head because they're trying to figure out the meaning of it all. 
No. Well, even the practical reason points to a spiritual value. Like, like can science prove that it's good to be healthy? Yeah. Where does that come from? Right. And I think, I think you're making my point, which is you'll know what a mask is by what you've already become. What you already are, a God believer, a God non-believer, whatever you are, to whatever extent you've nurtured or cultivated your spiritual life or not cultivated it on purpose, Uncle Seth, is to is the extent to which you'll understand the mask as having many meanings or not. Your Mende friends weren't scared of the mask because they've been cultivated. They've been nurtured into understanding all kinds of things about it. And so they can live in that world pretty easily. Same with the Mayan. So, so what is a mask to you? I think the answer is, is what are you? <laughs> it's anthropology will help you answer what that is. And I think that's why we're in a fight. I think that's why the mask became so political because bro, listen, this is what's happening is, is there became political because at its core, we're about 50, 50 people who are kind of shedding the whole concept of a spiritual reality. And then people who are holding on. That might be the end of the podcast. You know who I remember you look like right now? His name? Who? You remember Eric Gagne? Oh, my gosh. You just went old school baseball reliever? <laughs> you look totally like Eric Gagne. That guy had like 300 straight saves without 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 giving up a run. And, and I'm going with Eric Gagne. I think he also might have been a cocaine addict. Well, you just got like this goggle look going on with your baseball hat. I don't know why I did that tonight, partly because it's late. Looks good. I trimmed up my beard, though. I did it for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Should we say the words? Shenny's Gagi Marjos, Daniel. That means to you, the victory. That's what's often said at a supra table, a capy table. And that's a table that's often celebrated in the Georgian Republic. That's our pod for today. Mr. Producer Daniel Paternos was on with us. That was excellent, man. Some good insight on Sierra Leone. Watar, that's why are we talking about rabbits, is produced by Andrew Schwark and Daniel Paternos. And our pod is brought to you by the creators of First Things Foundation. Check us out, www.first-things.org. You can find us. We do work in lots of faraway places, but even here, right in the United States and Appalachia. And when we do work, basically it looks like this. We have big ears. Our masks are big ears. We listen carefully to people who are trying to figure out what's best for them in these most difficult neighborhoods. And we simply go to work to support their vision of a better life. First Things Foundation runs this pod. Join us, click like. What else, Daniel? Subscribe, stuff like that. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, buy a t-shirt, wear a t-shirt around. You can find it on our website. There's some really cool t-shirts there. I just bought yeah, a bunch first from things.org. First-things.org. Thank you for coming along. Nakvamdis, that's Georgian for goodbye. Hasta luego, kambufo. Do some be panda. Say it again. be panda. That's good night. In Mende. In Mende. Very good. Peace out. <laughs>